What's good? This is your boy Ken, and we are in the Bathroom Chronicles. As y'all know, as y'all know, as y'all know, it's been a good minute, and I have been encouraged, you know, throughout this past year to, you know, put more content out to really, you know, give the people what they really want, you know, in terms of like reviews, um, current things that are going on in today's society. All that jibber jabber, but um, just to to give y'all some some thought as into what's been going on in my life. Your boy is back in school. Um, as y'all know, I'm already married. Um, I am walking into year two. October will be two years. We got a while before October, but you know, with time, you know, it's been spinning in this joint. But year two is approaching. And I'm currently still in the same position that I am in and higher ed, as well as um, dealing with things that have currently been going on, you know, eternally and just making the best of the situations as best as I can. So to really dive in, I'm in my second year of my doctoral program. And y'all, when I tell y'all I was going through the trenches last semester, Last semester was kicking my black ass. However, um, what I I did learn is that you have to, you got to have your ducks in a row, number one. And also, you have to ensure that you protect yourself at all costs. Um, People will fuck you over at the end of the day. People are people, you know what I'm saying? So that is something that I had to really deal with. I had this one particular dude in my group. I really wanted to wrangle his neck, but God bless him. Because let me tell you, I'm pretty sure he got the grade that he was supposed to get. But my nigga really was being childish. And I know, I know, I, I, I snitched on his ass. I went and told the motherfucking professor. However, I had to do what I had to do. Because you're not finna just sit up here and not do any work off of my dime. Nah, I don't roll like that at all. But... Neither here nor there. I am currently at a 4.0 and intend on keeping it. I'm not going on wood. I plan on keeping that 4.0. That is the plan for me. Um, And the things that I've learned over the course of a year is is quite amazing to me, especially when it comes down to higher ed law, Um, discussing um, community college, different programs. So have you. It's just been a wonderful experience. And I I take full, full, full credit for, <laughs> along with God, I take full credit for the type of tenacity I had because there, in the past, you know, I, I haven't, I haven't necessarily been the best. Getting my master's when I did, it was hard. I ain't going to front. You know, I was working, working. I was on the ground. I was working 12 hours when I first got into the program at night and then having to work during the day. And then, you know, just just trying to live my life while maintaining school was quite the transformation for me. And now being that I'm kind of I'm, I'm settled in. And I have more responsibilities. I have no choice but to, you know, you know, make this thing happen the best way I know how to. So I will say getting into this program has enlightened me and I'm thankful that I went on ahead and I did it. It's quite an expensive journey, to say the least. 
but it has helped me navigate in my conversations with my colleagues along with my students that I do have. So I'm I'm forever grateful for, you know, my institution and my program for pushing me and elevating me in the best way they know how to. Now, um, when it comes down to um, married life, married life is good. I'm not finna even complain about that motherfucker. That motherfucker that I sit next to, that I lay with, she ain't no motherfucker, but you get what I'm saying. The beautiful lady that resides next to me, who loves me, who has my name, she is a beautiful character. <laughs> she is funny. She's funny as hell. She's she she goes along with your boy, and I I definitely appreciate that. And she holds me to my motherfucking feet. Will hold me accountable, and I appreciate that. Um, recently we celebrated one of my line brothers, um, getting married, and when I tell you that was one of the most liberating weekends ever, because we we got to we've seen people get married before, but it's it's different, like. The course of action is beautiful to see, to see two people unite. And it just gives you that feeling like, man, I want to redo that again. <laughs> but it was, you know, it is what it is. I, I, I definitely enjoy marriage. It's funny as hell. Um, in terms of serious moments, we have serious moments. But at the same time, it's 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 a wonderful experience. I wouldn't trade it. I wouldn't trade it for the world. Um, what else has been going on as of lately? Um, yeah, that's, that's all I can say for now. There are other things I can really dive on, dive into later, but we, we're going to keep that for later. But as of now, everything's going good. Um, what I really have been doing as of lately is listening to, um, other creators as well as gaining more insight as into what I kind of want to discuss. Because I was kind of all over the place. I'm not going to lie to you, but I'm definitely in a groove of figuring out what I want to discuss. So um, without further ado, I want to go in and talk about a couple of things. Here's the three topics that we'll discuss for today. We're going to talk about what's going on in TV land what's going on in music, and and what is a current need for society. So three topics that I can expound on and that I can really give y'all some, some true insight when it comes down to um, what's going on in Wonderland. So y'all stay tuned. Um, y'all catch me on the flip side. So we're going to move forward. The, the first thing that I want to talk about, y'all, it's been major conversations about this is uh best man. I know y'all seen best man. Um, the initial film that, you know, was made in the nineties, late nineties, um, with a phenomenal cast, Tay Diggs, uh, Morris Chestnut, Nia Long, uh, Monica Haun, Terrence Howard, um, who else? Regina Hall. You you have a the the list goes on. You have a variety of people who, you know, were setting trends back in the day, and it was a beautiful time because, like, when I tell y'all boys, not boys, I'm thinking boys and men. Best man, like when I tell y'all, I was a kid when it came out, and I can recall it being one of the 
the things that people were talking about. They were just like, oh, have you seen that? Have you seen that? And I remember my mom and my daddy, you know, that was their thing. You know what I'm saying? Watching that movie along with the, another set of movies. But black cinema is just an excellent thing to discuss. But the series itself is just immaculate. I, I, yeah, y'all must watch. We're going to talk about that. And when it comes down to music, I definitely want to... Um, to give some shine to the Pointer Sisters. And I know it's just like off key because people are like, who are the, who are those people? Who are those? Uh, the, the Pointer Sisters are the, 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 the originators in terms of crossover for black artists during the time where a lot of people weren't getting the, um, the accolades that they needed. These women set trends beyond you know, what was going on during that time. Of course, you have the Aretha Franklins, you have the Gladys Knights, you have the Patti LaBelle's, you have all of these people that you know, we know, and we recognize, but the Pointer Sisters, they are different breed. They're sisters, four sisters who knew how to sing. And when I tell you they knew how to sing, it was just beautiful, beautiful. And I've been watching their live performances. And I was just like, man, I really want to talk about them a little bit more because they were fantastic. And I definitely appreciated them in terms of their music. I'm going to talk about them. Also, um, the final thing that I want to talk about is um, mental health. I want to talk about mental health a little bit. Um, A lot of things that have been going on currently, and I just feel the need to push this out there in terms of what's going on um, in, in today's society as it regards black men and mental health. So y'all stay tuned and yeah, see you in a bit. So I know y'all have watched it. Hopefully y'all have, cause I'm going to give some spoilers, but um, best man series that is currently on Peacock. Um, I think it was released a couple days before Christmas. It's one of the best series out right now currently on TV Land. And I it's not literally on TV Land, the actual network. It's on Peacock, by the way. Um it's it's one of the best series to see because you see the evolution of Best Man and you're just like, man, like we went from best man to best man holiday to now current current situations that are going on. I'm I'm just so amazed to see the collective move in the way that they move um, artistically. I'm I'm just amazed. Malcolm Lee, you are a phenomenal dude. You've been doing your thing for a while, and I am I'm I'm just at all at the the art that you produced. It's it's just amazing. Best Man, if y'all are not aware, Best Man um was a movie filmed in the late 1990s. Um it it was just it was crazy because for one you have this list of great actors and actresses who come into play. Um it was a it was released um, October 22nd, 1999. Ironically, <laughs> our anniversary is October 23rd. But anyway, um, released October 22nd um, by director 
Malcolm D. Lee. I don't know if y'all are aware, but Malcolm and Spike Lee are relatives. As well as Spike Lee was a producer for that film. And it, it was just a box office hit for me because I'm thinking to myself with a low budget that they had at that time, they they made it. They they pushed through. Morris Chestnut is on this movie. Tay Diggs, Malcolm D. Lee, like I said, he's in the film. He's the MC. Um, Nia Long, Sanaa Lathan, Regina Hall, Terrence Howard. Um, who else do we have? We have Harold Perrineau. I might be slaughtering these folks' names because I, you know, you get the gist. Melissa De Sosa and Monica Calhoun, as y'all know her as Ebony from Players Club. Um, yes, it, 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 they they had a creative cast, man, and I'm just like at all with that, like wow. So, just to give you a brief synopsis of what this movie was about, um, you have Harper, who is a struggling um, writer who has the opportunity of putting out a book based on his experiences while in college. And these are all facts. All of the things that he's detailing in the book are facts. Um, And somehow or another, his best friend, who is also a love interest of his, gets a copy of the book, Jordan. Jordan Armstrong gets a copy of the book, and she she knows what's being said in the book. She knows exactly who he's talking about. But anyway, Jordan gets the advance and the premise, the book is passed along to different people within their group of friends. And you have um <laughs> you have Morris Chestnut's character, Lance Sullivan, who was getting married. And just so happened, him and Harper are best friends. So him and Harper are best friends and they they have a good relationship. But you can tell, you can sense that if the time is right where somebody's gonna throw some some bows, it would definitely be Lance Sullivan. Lance is a Bible toting misogynist. I'm gonna just say that. <laughs> I'm gonna just say that. He is one of those individuals who has got his cake and he's eating it too. However, he is he has evolved since college. He was once the player out of the group, smashing different girls here and there, all while being with his um fiance, girlfriend, Mia. And Mia is, you know, she has transformed. I think she was like that before. I think she was just a sweet you know, wholesome individual already. So as time goes on, you have the different people in the group. You have Quentin and you have Merch, who are also friends of Harper and Lance. And you you kind of sense that Quentin is full of shit, but he knows what the fuck be going on. Quentin been throwing shade the entire he was throwing shade the entire time. Um, of that movie, it was just like uh, little hints here and there, and he was like tearing into Harper, but nobody really was recognizing that shit. It was just like low key, but Lance, Lance kind of caught that heat from Quentin as well too. But you know, for me, I don't feel like Lance takes any accountability for anything that he does anyway. So it was just like uh, I gotta do what I gotta do. I gotta be a macho bravado ass nigga. 
He was just always on people's ass, but at the same time, it was just like, nigga, are you being accountable for you? But anyway, Harper is also in a relationship. He's with Robin. And low-key, low-key, the final series of, you know, what is to come and what was released recently, you kind of saw what was going on in terms of their relationship. It was never really an in-depth relationship. I just felt like Harper took Robin for granted. Robin was always consistent with him, always supportive, but it was just like he always had his mind open to what would be, which would be Jordan. Jordan and him had great chemistry. I genuinely feel as though Jordan had been waiting for Harper. But that's that's for later. Also, um, Merch is in a toxic ass relationship with Shelby ass, who was rude as fuck. But as time goes on, you you start to realize that <laughs> in detail of the book, Harper and Mia smashed. Mia pretty much found out that Lance had been you know, philandering, and she got back at his ass by cheating on him with Harper, which was an untold secret. He kept that to himself until he wrote that book. Although it was different names in the in the book, he definitely put himself out there, and lo and behold, Lance found out and nearly killed him. Nearly beat his ass to death, also almost threw him over a balcony. It was just a fucking mess. It was a fool. And luckily, you know, Lance got himself together because he was going to call out the wedding. But that had happened years prior, number one. Two, you see the male ego going to strike because he was finna immediately call out the wedding. But what? for what? Like, you have been fucking around, too. Like, you acting as though she couldn't do it. But the, the thing is, Mia had told him that she was a virgin. Boy, Mia was a cold-ass motherfucker. Although Mia was sweet, she was cold. I ain't gonna front. Mia had some tricks up her sleeve in that motherfucking movie all together. But luckily, they made it through and they got married. Second movie, the sequel, um, Best Man Holiday. Great movie as well. Um, A tearjerker because, unfortunately, Mia has cancer and she succumbs to it. Um, Harper is in the process of um, getting, trying to get his career off the ground, and he's going broke, and he has a baby on the way with Robin. Their marriage is in, in shambles on the slick, too. They didn't really detail it as much, but Harper is slick blaming Robin for not getting pregnant as quickly as she should have been. I don't know. I don't know what the fuck he had going on. But he 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 kind of blames her. You know what I'm saying? You know, for the miscarriages that they've had. Um, Lance still has some animosity towards Harper. Um, oh, I forgot to mention. So with Merch, Merch, him and Shelby had broke up. Because he ended up falling in love with a stripper. My guy got with Candy, a.k.a. Regina Hall. And his life, it changed. He he changed forever. And then you have Shelby. And all, pretty much all of them have kids by now. Um, except for Quentin, 
as for now, Shelby has had a child and she is Shelby being an ass, being uppity or whatever. But what I did not realize from the first film that Shelby and Mia were line sisters. I never knew that. Also, I did not know that Lance was a part of a fraternity that I'm not going to name. Also, um, it was just some some undertone things that were going on. You know, Mia hinting to Quentin that she didn't want him to be alone. But at the same time, it was kind of like some overshadowing going on at this too. Because I believe that Mia was trying to hint to Quentin that him and Shelby had a baby. I don't know. It might just be me. But I believe that Mia was trying to tell him, but it wasn't her place, so she didn't directly let him know. But it, it overall compass, like, she was trying to say something, but he didn't really catch the hint. Um, as well as Shelby. You know, Shelby was walking around that motherfucker like, mm, on 10, kind of just being a dick for no reason. Um, but everybody got in good spirits at the end and they all collectively, you know, became friends again. The series. First and foremost, I'm happy that the series was a series and not a movie. I'm gonna keep it real. I do believe they did a good job with that because it was an hour long and it gave you in depth. Um, it wasn't as in depth as I wanted it to be. But it was it, it was in depth. It was. Um the first episode, you get the extension of Quentin saying that he's gonna get married. Excuse me. And it goes into Quentin falling in love with um what's that? It's something Z. It's crazy. But um it's Nicole Ari, um, who was in Soul Food, the series, uh, he's engaged to her. And I think he's trying to keep the family name going or whatever. But uh, he slips back into good graces with Shelby and he ends up calling off his wedding. Jordan is fucking working like a maniac. My girl transitioned from BET to NBC. She was doing her thing. I respect her wholeheartedly. Also, uh, you have Harper, who has regained some sense of life after struggling. And you can kind of sense that Robin wants more. Robin has kind of put a lot of herself on a back burner for Harper. And she wants more out of life. I don't know exactly what initially off the first episode, but you can tell it's something there that she wants. Um, Lance, he's still struggling with the death of his wife, Mia. And my nigga is out here smashing every motherfucker that he see just cause. And also, um, you have Merch and his wife, Candace, who um, pretty much, they are there, but it's something off a little bit with him. I think he's struggling with his identity as well because he is so prim and proper attorney and she has had to elevate herself and change for the sake of him but you know she begins to find herself at the end you know she rediscovers that she needs to go back to school and get herself together um she tries to work more with um herbal essences <laughs> i'm gonna say that uh she is just redefining herself and i i totally respect that 
Um, luckily, uh, Quentin and Shelby get together. That shit was crazy. I was happy when they finally, you know, stopped, stopped playing this game and got it together. But the saga, the saga was all along. Quentin was Shelby's baby daddy. What the fuck? When that came out, I was just like, ain't no motherfucking way you done played this man. I would honestly have been pissed if you had withheld some information like that from me. Like, what? You you going around and you knew that this child was mine and you ain't say nothing? Girl, go sit your ass down. But yeah, that was some, that was, that was hot. I was like, wow. So as also, also, Lance, this is something that is also big. Harper has an opportunity of using the first book that he released, which was about his friends, as a movie. He has the opportunity to put it on screen. And initially, everybody is, maybe Lance lies his way into manipulating him for making him feel guilty or whatever. I don't know what the fuck he got going on. But he guilt trips him. But then plays it off as though everything's okay. It was like strange, like nigga, what? Um, but I'm happy that they got that resolved. Moving forward, as time goes on, I'm going to go into different characters real quick. So, Harper. Harper, Harper, Harper. Harper got this money and he done elevated. So he's just like, hey, my entire family gonna elevate. We don't we, we're not gonna we're not eating ramen no more. We're not eating ramen no motherfucking more. That chicken ramen, we putting that to the side, and we're gonna get in, we're gonna get the real Chinese food. That's what we're gonna get. So Harper, he has the idea that they should move to um, a different area from Harlem because he wants better schools for his daughter Mia. Robin is not for it at this time. Robin is wanting to expand on her career as a chef. And she wants to remain in a spot that is more geared towards black unity. She is not feeling moving to the Upper East Side, as they said, with Harper just because she's not having it. She wants some legitimate reasons, and she's not happy. She's not happy, as you can see throughout the time. And, you know, she tries to compromise with him as best she can, but it's just not happening. So, um, as time goes on, you can kind of sense that she wants to cheat. I should have cheated. She wanted to cheat on Harper ass. She did. I don't give a fuck what nobody say. But she didn't. She stayed loyal to his ass. Even when she was cold and wanted to hug that nigga. She hugged. She wanted to hug a nigga real tight. She wanted to hug a nigga real tight. But she chose not to. She made the choice of not doing that because she loves Harper. Harper, on the other hand, is like he is off in another world. He wants to focus his attention in creating his craft a little bit better because he realizes that what he's been writing is not up to par. So he just he's walking around in in good spirits, but at the same time, it's just like low key desperate. But but um, they come to some agreement. My dude, first of all, did not follow through on something that he was supposed to. So Robin gets this opportunity of purchasing 
um, this old restaurant, and she asks asks Harper for you know his insight as well as for the down payment. He did not follow through, which causes some tension. They end up going to marriage counseling, and it's revealed that you know she's just not happy. She's not up for having to teach Harper how to love her, even though she is not communicating how she feels, which is a problem because you can't solve anything if you don't know what's going on. So Harper is pushing along and trying to figure out what way he can get this marriage back on in good graces. So um, Harper, still aloof, still in his own world, he has the okay to get the movie off and it's it's premiered it has premiered however robin has another opportunity to do something dealing with food pantry or whatever so she tells him that she can't make it and he is you can tell he pissed but at the same time they come to an agreement that she would come early and then leave to go to her event and that's what happens and you think that you would think that everything is going good, but it does not fare well with them because Harper does not compromise. Harper wants everything to be just the way it is. And I can kind of understand. You want to control your environment because at the same time, you don't want to have to navigate on eggs, eggshells. You want to be making sure that everybody has the same, the same thought process as you. You want everybody to be in good graces, but that doesn't work like that. And it challenged Robin because she wanted to go to Africa, had it set up and everything. And he didn't follow through with it. And she told him, this ain't going to work out. Y'all, when a woman's fed up, (laughs) she was fed up. She told that nigga she wanted a divorce. She could not deal with his bullshit no more, and she was done. So, filed for divorce, and she reveals during, um, I think, mediation that she has intention on getting primary custody of their daughter Mia so she can move to Africa and Harper is not having it. And this is what the only part where I agree with when, when it came down to Harper. Harper, I don't think he's a bad dad. I don't think he's present though either. But I believe that his daughter loves him unconditionally. She loved her daddy. And so him trying to fight to keep his daughter around near him in close proximity, I got that. I got that wholeheartedly. And to see them go in battle between it, it just broke my heart. It broke my heart when they left and ended up going to Africa. I was just like, Lord have mercy. Like, this is devastating. But he was a trooper. And my nigga, you know, he did his thing. At the end, everything was good. I I definitely feel like it ended on a good note when it came down to heart. Lance. Lance is <laughs> a Lance, he got a lot of shit going on. Got a lot of shit going on. Lance just had a death in his life. The the woman of his life has gone and he is dealing with it by having sex with multiple women. And you kind of see there's some misplaced energy when it comes down to his kids, cause it's just like his kids, they're there, but they're not 
it's just like, okay. Mia had to really take care of the kids. It was him working. And so he's retired now. He's trying to figure out what he wants to do. My nigga went from selling cologne to being a um, broadcast journalist. Then he moved on into, uh, what else? I think he was selling cars. It, it, it was just all over the place. And he didn't have any true consistency. So from the previous um, episode, because I'm giving you episodes one through nine, I think it's one through nine or one through eight. So Lance ends up meeting this lady who worked on the res the what is it called? The resort, the resort that they had went to for Quentin. So um, she ends up telling him that she's engaged, and he feels some type of way. But as time goes on, the story is not necessarily about Lance anymore. The story becomes more about Lance trying to not only figure himself out in terms of his career, which he ultimately decides that he wants to go back into football, but he gets injured and he, you know, becomes a coach. But his son... His son is actually gay. Well, we don't. I don't know what he is. However, he's non-binary, and Lance got a problem with that. Lance is not having his son being in heels and in makeup. He's just like, uh, uh-uh. uh, no, sir. So he tries his best to, you know, navigate this situation by shutting his son down. He was just like, that is not going to happen. But the son is just like. I'm not finna sit up here and compromise for you and you're not understanding where I'm coming from. So the son ends up running away for a couple of days. Lance comes, you know, look goes looking for him and but but here's the thing. Lance goes looking for him and he's just like, I got to I guess he figured out his mind, I gotta I gotta treat my son with some respect. I can't allow him to not live his life. Even though it's not something that I don't want him to do, I can't force him to do that. So, hopefully, I think he 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 is okay with it now. But then again, I'm like, oh no. So as time goes on, him and the lady they end up getting engaged at the end. So I'm happy about that. Um, merch, merch had some stories this time around. I was just like, merch, merch, what, sir? Merch is battling himself because he, internally, it's just like he wants to fight. That's what he wants to do, but at the same time, he doesn't want to because his career is more of importance now. It's just like, I can't do, I can't do all that crazy shit. And luckily, he does it. And Candy, she is still in the tricks of learning more about herbal essences. I, I'm go, like I said, I'm going to count this as that. She's learning more about that, and she's looking to receive her PhD in it. And she's working hard. They are doing pretty good at the beginning of the series. It was just like, okay, they're doing good. But you can see that there's some some lost action. She wants some action, action. She want to be plowed in. But he's just not happy. He He's genuinely not happy with himself. And with the idea of the movie coming out, it just 
makes him more nervous. So when I think a trailer is released, he is devastated because he feels as though his friends discount him in terms of his manhood. And he's not, Merch is not the type of person to go around and legit hurt people. I think he wants everyone to accept him, but at the same time, he wants to be respected and regarded for who he is. I can get that because a lot of times people try to play me. I'm like, nigga, what? No, nah, you're not going to play me like I don't do this shit. You're not going to play me like that. No, nah. but I get it because merch is just who he is. He's not trying to rock the boat. He's a good dude. And it hurt to see him in pain and they didn't realize that. But over time, he he released his anger by going into MMA. Um, my nigga went into the fight club like a motherfucker. He was just a fighter in this bitch. He's a runner. He's a fighter. <laughs> my dude, Merch, he came out of his shell. But when it came down to Candy, it was just like, Candy, she was devastated too because the the work that she's putting in in her research is just like crazy. It's like she wants to put out good work, good material, but her advisor is not working with her. So she seeks help from a professor who then turns into her advisor. All while he is, you know, giving her advice on what to research and, you know, helping her with her dissertation. My nigga is a motherfucking pervert. He sexually assaults her. And that nigga does it in a smooth ass. It's, it's crooked, but he do it in a smooth ass way. Smooth. Gets caught. And she... She writes up a motherfucking letter, lets them know that, hey, y'all got a professor that is out here doing this. But she doesn't reveal what's going on. And and, and I'm going to tell y'all, because I think she didn't reveal it because of uh, what happened in Best Man Holiday. So in Best Man Holiday, um, there's a video going around of her leaving a room from getting, from giving some dude some head for some money that she needed for college. But, you know, I just think that, you know, she was over-sexualized because of who she was as a stripper. She was a stripper in the first movie, and I just feel like now she she has done her thing. You know, she's as open as she can be. But I think, in 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 all honesty, I think that them two just missed each other, honestly. But even then again, I feel like Merch was trying to figure himself out and figure out whether or not he was overthinking things. Because my nigga, he wanted to go off on a motherfucker for getting on the taxi cab. And I get it because he was racially profiled. But overall, his story ended well. I, I liked his story. Shelby and Quentin. Quentin is trying to... um build his dad's empire and it goes kaput during COVID. Since everything had shut down, he ruined one of his businesses ruined. One of his businesses excuse me. One of his businesses was ruined from COVID. Excuse me. And Shelby is 
a rock star at this point. Shelby went from reality TV to being on mainstream TV. And her work ethic is top tier. So during this time, Quentin is trying to assist his dad, who is getting older, but he's being a dick about it. Anyway, Quentin is is just stressed out. Undertone, he's stressed out. And you kind of get it from the first episode that something is wrong. My dude ends up having a heart attack. And his daughter is being an asshole. She's an asshole for no reason. But... Quentin and Shelby, they do a good job overall in trying to figure themselves out. And they love each other. You can genuinely see that they love each other. And I'm just, like, happy about that. Um, Jordan? Jordan is Jordan manipulating any situation when it comes down to her relationship. She is one of the men. I'm, and I say this because she is one of the men. I think that she she is a woman, but she's one of the men in the sense where she doesn't necessarily know what she wants. One minute she's fine with being single. The next minute she does want someone. And the next minute she doesn't want kids. And the next minute she does. Um, so she falls back in love with a college fling who turns out to motherfucking be a crook. And... It's just a fucking fool. Oh, 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 oh. Jordan and Harper. They end up sharing a kiss, which is revealed. Robin kind of felt something was going on, and that's what happened. But they never really revealed that that happened. Except for... Um, Harper writing about a book that he got going on and he ends up revealing it through that paper that he was writing and it just becomes a fucking fool it becomes a mess so Harper doesn't want to be with that dude no more but her and Harper share some chemistry it's something that is going on I'm just like y'all need to expound on this a little bit more because I need to know what what's going on between these two Y'all just left us on a cliffhanger with that one. That one, I really wanted more insight on. I felt like that was needed. But overall, the show, the series was good. I I applaud them for putting out information that was needed. This was beautiful. A beautiful, beautiful series. I loved it. I loved it. Now, things that I really wanted them to um, expound on is like the movie. I feel like... Like, with anything, I think they need a prequel. Y'all done went into this situation where y'all done talked about everything that happened after Lance's marriage. I want to know more about what happened prior. Give me more information as to what happened with Lance and Mia. What was he really doing out here in these streets? What was Harper really doing out here in these streets? Say, I, I really want to know. I want to get more insight. I want to see Jordan go through that breakup process that she discussed that had her eating donuts for weeks. I want to see more about that. And I think that writers, you know, they say this is it for the um, for the best man. But I just think that they need to give more insight on what happened before they became adults. So a prequel would be great. Also, um... 
yeah, I just a, a general prequel would be good. I, I definitely think that would be awesome. So yeah, um, overall, great series. I loved it, and I suggest you go do the same. It's on Peacock, and all of the episodes are available. So go and watch it. Go and watch it. Coming up next, um, I'm going to be talking about the Pointer Sisters, as discussed earlier. Y'all stay tuned. So the reason why I decided to discuss um, the Pointer Sisters is because um, within the last two years, um, two of the sisters have passed, and they were like key members of the group. Um, you had um, Bunny Pointer, and you had Anita Pointer, and then their baby sister passed away in the early two thousands, I believe. Her name was June Pointer, but um, their eldest sister Ruth is currently still out here torn, and she's still out here getting it. Um. It's just so sad to see so many great artists just pass away that are like phenomenal. I listen to these um these women sing and I've watched them live in terms of their performances on YouTube, aka the GOAT. Anyway, I've watched them and I'm I've just been at all at their their sound. Their sound was so different from that moment. You know, disco and all of that ruled the nation during that time in the 70s. But these women, they were creative geniuses. Like they had promise. Their music went from RB, pop, um, dance, disco into country. They were, I want to say, I'm just going to make the assumption. They were the first black people to win a Grammy in the country category. Did you hear me? They, and, and this is during the 70s. We have just transitioned from a time where civil unrest was going on. During the 1960s. I mean, you had that going on too in the 70s, but every decade has had that. But this is during that transitional period. And I'm just like, man, they were really getting it. Um, one of their favorite one of my favorite songs from them is called Jada, which is written about Anita's daughter, her only child, who unfortunately passed away due to cervical cancer. Um, no, pancreatic cancer i believe i believe anita had cervical cancer and they battled they had a lot of issues between ruth having children you know left and right and dealing with drugs and then you had anita she she dealt with drugs here and there but she was kind of the most consistent i think she was like the heart of the group she had some some strength about her and some sass that I loved. I loved that she was her own. She always went off her own beat. Bunny, Bunny was the litest motherfucker. Her and June were lit as fuck all the time. But hearing their stories, I was just like at all because I think June suffered from mental health issues stemming from being um, sexually violated um, as a, a teenager, I think she was gang raped all while her niece, which is Ruth, Ruth's daughter, 
I think Ruth's little girl watched it. You know, she she was assaulted in front of her. And just to see the pain that she went through. And it's just horrible. 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 But um I I just I I, I have to mention that their artistry was phenomenal. When I was a kid, I used to play this game called Grand Theft Auto Vice City. One of my best and favorite games that I've ever played. And one of the songs that used to come on on the R&B station, because, you know, you can play the radio in the car as a player. And one of the songs was called Automatic. Y'all, I used to be a, I used to be afraid of the song because I'm like, I didn't know who the fuck was singing. It was like scary almost. But finding out, because I thought it was a man who was singing it. Finding out that Ruth was the one who was singing it. I was just like, wow. You you know songs called Um I'm So Excited and I Can't Hide It. That's them. Um I know you can't can can if you can't can they had hits, y'all. Hits. And by like the nineties with drugs fueling the game with June, unfortunately the group kind of set apart. June was on crack, from my understanding, and Bunny was too. But uh, their music is just amazing. I feel like they are not recognized within the young group of people that I know. Because I didn't even see it on the shade room. They normally put shit like that out, but that should have been put out. Like Those people need to be recognized. Anita Pointer is a phenomenal writer. Y'all need to go check her out because, listen, the music that they had back in the day was killer. I was amazed by that. But I'm going to tell y'all about one album that y'all really should take heed to real quick. So there's this album. It's the self-titled album. Um, The Pointer Sisters, that's what it's called. That's one album. Another album is called Energy. I think that has Slow Hand in it. Slow Hand is a, another song that I like. I, I fuck with that song. But Steppin. Steppin is one of the most... <laughs> y'all, Steppin has some hits on that bitch. Steppin is a bluesy mix with R&B type of vibe. During the early stages of their career, they went and they would go into... Um, thrift shops and they were dressing as women of the 1940s and 50s they were innovators they did their thing but one of the things that i do love from um their album from this particular album is called easy days and i ain't got nothing but the blues the melody y'all when i tell y'all that shit is hit it was amazing when I heard, like, I listen to all types of music because y'all going to learn. Y'all going to learn that I listen to a, a, a variety of music, in particular within R&B, because R&B is, R&B is just not R&B, rhythm and blues. It is pop, it's jazz, it's everything. A lot of people need to stop with that shit and just call it for what it is. If you want to just say black music, call it for what it is. But R&B is amazing. It's amazing. And their music, their artistry was immaculate. Y'all need to go and check that shit out. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, rest in peace to my girl, Anita. Um, thank you for your extension of time. You lived a wonderful, great, I hope. I, I ain't know you like that. I ain't know you. But you lived for 74 years and you produced some magical music. Thank you for that. And thank you to your sisters, June, Bunny, and Ruth. Thank you all. I appreciate you. Also, this is something I want y'all to, to look up. They did a live performance with Cher in the 1970s. And that performance was great. Um, I want to say they did a tribute to Elton John. And I, I was amazed. I was amazed. I was so amazed. But yeah, that's it with that's that's it with this particular segment. Um, I'm going to move forward into my last segment. Y'all stay tuned. Yeah. As mentioned before, I wanted to talk about mental health within um the minds of black men. We're not all the same, but collectively we all have things that we as a whole you know hold in and i think that comes from being told as a child that you need to hold that shit in you need to hang in tough anyways um i've seen so many people within the last couple of weeks take their own lives and it's just so devastating to see um, people that you see who are smiling, who are out here giving their best, giving their all. And it's just sad. It's sad to see so many people just go. And I, I pray that eventually over time we get to a habit of disclosing how we're really feeling without being told that it's not masculine or being told that that's not what men do. Men, we have the opportunity to be open in whatever fashion we want to be. Stop allowing people to tell you that you can't because you can't do what other people do. If you feel like you are down and out and you don't know how to communicate that, just verbally assess it the best way you know how to. Go and check yourself in. Communicate with someone, though. I'm telling you, communication is it's, it's key, but telling your story is more important while you're alive than having other people tell it for you. Take, take accountability for your health, more importantly, but self-efficacy is important. If you don't have that within yourself, no one can offer it to you. I'm telling you, we are in dire times and we need to communicate our, our wants and our needs the best way we know how to. But here's here's a, uh, a suggestion. If you ever feel like you are going through a crisis and that you want to do self-harm and end it, you need to call 988. Again, you can do that through chat. You can do it do you can do it um through text message or you can do it through call. Talk to someone is so important. The prevention of this will help you and not only help you, but help others do yourself a favor and help yourself. Because if you don't, I, I just I, it's too many people going away. It's too many people. Too many people. 
And it's devastating, y'all. But anyways, um, self-care is important. And I ask that you all take care of yourselves and be the voice that you need yourself to be. In closing, in closing, life is definitely like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Today is Saturday, January 14th, and a lot has happened over the course of an hour. And I am just, it's it's amazing. It's amazing to see that so many people are going and transitioning. But this is something that I take with me. Life is definitely un life is definitely a mystery. Number one. You never know what's going to come up. You never know the time or the place. But always know that God has the final say and that He is a protecting God and He is a jealous God as well as He is a merciful God. He will grant you mercy. Listen to Him and give Him honor. And most importantly, love yourself, love others, give love. Even when you don't have love to give, you are made from love. Some people may not necessarily have been conceived in the best way, but you are made from love. And I I say that in whole spirit, take care of yourselves and love yourself. Most importantly, love others. Yes, yes, yes. So this is this is it in terms of this episode. But I leave you with this. More are to come. More are going to come. I'm going to I'm going to push myself as much as I can. But as much support, um, you can support me through following the Bathroom Chronicles, the with an extra E on IG. And you can follow my personal page, which is the with an extra E, Black Buh, with a B-A-H, not bear, B-A-H, the Black Buh. Um, and yeah, y'all have a blessed one. And thanks for, th- hold on real quick. Thank you. Thank you for your support, number one. But thank you for listening to the Bathroom Chronicles. <laughs> y'all have a blessed one. And be easy.